Attention Life Tips listeners, looking for better ways to become better, smarter, faster, and wiser? Well, listening to Life Tips is a great start, but how about if we gave you an easier way to listen? Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Listen to Life Tips and even more programs that will help you build to a better health, wealth, and lifestyle. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play today. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. Byron here. I'm here with our guest today, Peter Shankman. Peter, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. You're the author of the book, Nice Companies Finish First, Why Cutthroat Management Over is Over and Collaboration is In. Appreciate you talking about the book. Is that really true? Are you sure that's really <clears throat> true? You know, I'm seeing it more and more. Uh, the companies that I've interviewed the ones that I've talked to, the ones that you see every day are actually making more money by being nice. You know, it's, it's not – when I first proposed the concept of the book, my, my agent said, you know, there are enough books out there about sort of hippy-dippy, new-agey, be nice in the universal company. I said, no, this is about being nice and making buttloads of cash. And she goes, okay, well, that I'm interested in. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely more about the fact that, that in this day and age, the, the nice companies do win. Let's talk really about why you think that is. We're going to dig in, of course, to some of the details on the research that you went into. But, you know, in, in general, is there simply a need for management styles to change? And particularly, you know, we're all riveted in, into the Jack Welsh, Lee Iacocca, you know, phase, uh, you know, here in my way or the highway, super strong individuals. Are things turning when it comes to who gets put in that top position, for example? What I'm thinking is, is is enlightened managers are the ones who are getting put in that top position. You know, the concept of sort of the eat your young, the Jack Welch uh, mentality uh, worked great for years, and and that's what boards looked for. You know, they wanted someone with that that sort of cutthroat ambition, as it were. But what the smart boards are seeing now is that companies that are perceived as nicer, who who react to their uh, employees, their customers, who listen. Um, are actually doing better because of the age that we're in of sort of uh, everyone has the ability to be a reporter, everyone has the ability to share information in real time. And so the concept of being nice actually pays off from a marketing perspective as well as a straight business perspective. So they're looking for CEOs who get that and who understand that that the customer, you know, telling the customer to screw off uh, really doesn't play well anymore, where in the 50s and 60s, you could get away with that. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about... <clears throat> management style and how CEOs are learning that style these days? I think that a lot of the CEOs who are getting that are coming up from the the concept that, and again, it goes back to this enlightened self-interest. You know, CEOs have always had this sort of selfish mentality around them and the concept that they'll do, you know, they want their bonuses and their golden parachutes and all that. What we're seeing is that the CEOs who are coming in with the logic that if it's good for the company, and if it's good for the employees, if it's good for the customers, it's good for me. They're the ones who are sort of winning now. It's, it's that concept that the traditional, uh, uh, again, that additional cutthroat style is going away. And the concept of, hey, you know what? We 
believe that the stuff we're doing is actually beneficial and we believe in this stuff. That's sort of what we're seeing from the CEO perspective. Um, CEOs are looking to hire employees who believe in that, who believe in those same values, who share those values, uh, and, you know, who, want, who want to see customers and, and, and clients win. It's, it's sort of this, this win-win opportunity that really never existed before. I want to ask you about a particular case. Marissa Mayer, um, CEO of Yahoo, uh, you know, announced to the world that you know, no more remote employees of Yahoo. You know, <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on that? Is that is that is that uh, is, does she fit into a not so nice person? And 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 would you worry about her success? Or <clears throat> tell me about that particular policy and procedure, and whether it made sense for Yahoo in your perspective. Um, and, and it made sense for her and her position at Yahoo to try to transform that company into something great. And is there room in your, in your understanding you know, for firmness as well as fairness and, and friendliness? I think she could have found a better way to say it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the CEO saying we're going to do it this way. You know, the whole purpose of a CEO, you, have, you hire them and you have to trust their, their abilities. That's not you – know, I don't doubt that, but – she probably could have said it a little nicer. The way it came out, you know, keep in mind that everything you say is going to be immediately leaked to the press. She could have said it a little nicer. Basically, she just said, okay, and see ya. You know, there's probably a better way to do that. Um, but, you know, in retrospect, I see what she's trying to say. The concept that it is, it is a better idea if everyone's collaborating together. But I do think that she could have found, a, a better way to say that, and B, maybe not put, not put it in all at once. She basically ruled with that iron fist type mentality, and that was looked at as a little, a little you know, ogreish. Um, on the flip side, you know, she is doing what's better for the business and hell, she just spent a billion dollars to basically acquire a, a website that is nothing but like, um, uh, uh, pictures overlaid with text about uh, positive attributes. So, let's see what happens. <laughs> good, good point. Tell us about motivation and what you learned about motivation and how perhaps nice guys might, or gals for that matter as well, might motivate people a little bit more. <clears throat> what I find all the time is that the companies who uh, – really, the CEOs really believe in what they're doing. And you know, a lot of people say Steve Jobs is not a nice guy, but Steve Jobs is a very nice guy. But he, his belief was in the concept of everyone needed to be as motivated and as passionate about what he did. Did he say it the best way? Probably not. But you know, there's motivation and then there's fake motivation. The real motivation is, is, the, is the CEOs who motivate the employees because they see um, – the end result, they know this stuff is going to be huge, they're going to do great, and they want employees with that same level of passion. Uh, the flip side is that, you know, do this or I'll fire you is not necessarily the best motivation, motiva- motivation in the world. So you really find that, that sort of middle ground there. You looked at lots of great companies um, that, that have leaders that, that are, are within the realm of the next wave of greatness, as you describe it, could you could you give us a few examples of, of what people are doing in these roles and, and and why their approach is is winning? Yeah, I mean, you look at even even companies as simple. Uh, you look at companies who are doing sort of the right thing by their employees, by their customers, by their uh, 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 stockholders. They all have a, a certain things in common. They listen. They have this concept of enlightened listening, which is where, really where they're listening to. The customers and the employees together, and they're not necessarily basing every decision on that. Look, you still have to be a CEO. You still have to make the hard decisions that no one wants to make, but you're doing so not in a vacuum. And that's one of the biggest things out there. You're doing this not in a vacuum. You're listening to 
the audience and you're listening to your customers and you're making a decision based on those enlightened moments that you're getting. That's that's the most important thing right there. Uh, CEOs who silo and who sort of sit in that, that golden tower really don't make decisions with all the information they need. More importantly, they're listening to people who you might not necessarily assume are the best ones to listen to. I've seen CEOs go down and spend a half an hour in the break room with the customer service employees, which I think is some of the most brilliant things you could do because they're the ones on the front line. They're the ones with the ears to the ground. You know, CEOs who sort of sit in the top and just listen to their top VPs and don't really pay attention. You know, that's a problem. Hmm. Are there specific examples of, of leaders that you think have these, these characteristics and attributes that we can all learn from? And, and, and what, are they, what are they doing that's, that's interesting? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I, hate to, I hate to bring him up because he's constantly referred to, but Tony Shea at Zappos, um, you know, goes around and talks to every single new employee, looks at what they're doing and offers them money to quit. He says, if you're not happy here, we'd rather you leave. Here's some money if you want to quit. Um, you know, there, there are other CEOs uh, um, who instruct, uh, uh, what is it? Um, I'm totally spacing on the name now. The, um, the new sandwich place that's popping up all over the, uh, Pret, Pret, Pret a Manger. Um, it's popping up all over the city and it's huge in Europe. They actually send up undercover uh, shoppers to look at their employees and make sure they're smiling, make sure they're happy. They want employees who are happy in general. It's not saying you can't have a bad day, but they want employees who generally have a happy day. So, you know, if you have 20 minutes for lunch nowadays, they want to know that, that when you came in for those 20 minutes, you were greeted by someone happy and you were in a good mood as well. Peter, you're a, you're a PR wizard uh, from what I've gathered in your background as well. Um, how important does does PR play into these types of decisions that that uh, that companies are are, are trying to uh, bring to the table, and, and more specifically, leaders are trying to bring to the table? I think that <clears throat> smart CEOs know that PR definitely plays a part in it. When you look at uh, how easy it is to get both positive and negative press, um, you need to be able to understand that the CEOs that that. Being a CEO means that sometimes you have to look at a PR standpoint as well. Let me give you an example. Um, when a bad situation happens, you know, it has never before been it's never been easier now than to simply document it on your phone, share it with the world, and in 20 minutes, you know, 50 million idiots on Facebook are saying how horrible your company is. Um, the biggest problem that we're having right now is that is that CEOs, marketing people, PR people, they're using Twitter and they're using Facebook to put out the fires. They're waiting for someone to complain, then they're going and saying, oh, you know, well, we're sorry you had that problem, and we're reacting much quicker on Twitter than we would in customer service, so that's a win. It's actually a loss. What the CEO needs to be thinking about is, you know what, the best PR is good PR that doesn't have any of the bad stuff. So the smart CEO is saying, we're not going to use PR to fix a problem, we're going to create amazing experiences so that the PR is positive to begin with. And the smart CEOs are creating amazing experience for the customers so that they're not complaining. They're saying great things before the negative stuff starts to happen. Uh, how rooted do you think decisions are these days with, with customer wants and needs? Are we seeing a big shift? Is, is customer service about to take itself to the next level and isn't where an employee service, if that's a concept? I think in terms of customer service, for instance, what we're seeing is that customer service has taken on a life of its own. If you look at any company, let, let's, let's imagine an airline. You have a bad experience. You're waiting in line for 30 minutes, and the, and the gate agent or the, the ticketing agent is a jerk. What are you doing in those 30 minutes while you're waiting online? You have your phone out. 
So you're sharing information in real time about what a horrible experience this is. Customer service has actually become sort of the unsung hero of the CEO. Because when the CEO from the top down creates great customer service and great experiences and puts that into play throughout the company, the company wins as a whole. Every company we interviewed, the ones that are doing well, the re- one of the main reasons they're considered nice companies is because the CEO believes in good customer service and believes in reaching out and following up and things like that. It, it is sort of fascinating in that regard. Um, the companies that don't pay attention to customer service are the ones who are just simply not doing well. And again, 30 years ago, they didn't have to. It doesn't exist anymore. It's tough to build a customer service organization from the ground zero up, but it's even tougher to trans- transition a company that maybe had poor customer service into into a well-run customer service organization. Isn't that a real challenge for some of the leaders that are taking over these companies? And, and how are they doing that successfully? Have you seen any examples of that? It is, it is very, very challenging. To, to be able to create a customer service-centric organization from one that didn't exist requires really a rebuild. You know? And what we're seeing is these new CEOs who come in and they, they understand that that has to happen. And the reason that has to happen, again, is because of the way things have changed in terms of how we, how we uh, uh, relate to companies as a whole, the social media, everything like that. But what we're finding is that it's, you know, if the CEO believes in it from the beginning and works, from it, works on it from a top-down perspective, it does continue to grow. And it can permeate throughout the entire organization. There's financial incentive. There's a lot of different ways to do it where the company, uh, where it works for everyone, but it cannot be done in a vacuum. And the company does have to understand that it's it's mandatory. Smaller organizations, parentheses like mine, <laughs> um, you know, have a hard time giving equal level service to every single customer that signs up, right? Because different customers have different levels of needs and aptitudes and sophistication with the product, and it's very difficult to get our customer service people, for example. You know, offering the rolling out this white glove, red carpet, you know, service for somebody that's going to spend fifty dollars with us, and taking huge amounts of time to do that, even if we if they did choose to do that, almost taking away time from the customers that that are spending the bigger dollars with us. How do you balance that? If you're a CEO, how do you get people to understand? Time, the value of time in giving customers uh, the necessary time to have a good experience. Do, do you have any thoughts on that? There are different levels of customer service. It, it, it almost becomes an animal house uh, mentality where, or animal farm mentality where um, everyone's equal except some are more equal than others. You know, <laughs> the CEO who – and understands this – the CEO who deals with the customer who travels a quarter million miles a year on one airline, that customer is going to be treated differently than the person who travels on the airline twice a year and visits grandma. But that being said, that doesn't mean the person who travels twice a year and visits grandma has to be treated poorly. We are a society that expects to be treated one level below crap every single time. We expect to be treated like crap when we travel. We expect them to get the tickets wrong. We expect there to be delays. Imagine if you just treated your customers one level above crap. It doesn't even have to be good. It doesn't even have to be good. Just one level above crap where the majority of the customers say, wow, that was a pretty good experience. I'm pretty impressed with that. You've created customers who are thrilled for you and will go and tell their friends. Go above that by 1%. Treat the customers well. They'll go out of their way to tell the world how awesome you are. That's the mm-hmm. new PR. That's where it's mm-hmm. going to come from. Got it. You talked to let, – let's, let's take a break and I've got you know, another two to 300 questions for you when we come <laughs> back after the break. But uh, let's take a big break, everyone. We'll be right back. 
Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. You are dedicated and devoted to a life of developing new ideas and innovations. Willing to take calculated career risks, achieving independent wealth and success. Then you are ready to experience the Entrepreneur Effect. On demand anytime. Inside the Internet Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, Peter. Really great having you on the show today. Thank you. Good to be here. So let's talk a little bit about cutthroat management, right? Um, Companies, you know, by default have different, lots of different personalities of people that are invited to be part of the management team. Um, and you know, I, I like four categories, and I'd like to throw them out to you to see what you what you think about this because it's it's sort of interesting. A bear, a rabbit, an owl, and a turtle, I believe, are the four different types of characteristics and, and, and types of people that you need on your management team. Your your bear is your my way, the highway. Here is the process and procedure by which we make money. Your turtle is you perhaps your accountant owner get A, we need B, and B to get C. Uh, your owl is your source of wisdom. Been there, done that. Understand what it takes to get from, you know, two million or a hundred million to a billion. Um, and your your rabbit is your idea person that's all over the place and ideas. Uh, desk is probably messy, but a great source for innovation and ideas. Um, you know, when when we talk about 
you know, management, you know, cutthroat management, don't you agree that you, you need different players, different personal personality types to be part of a management team? And that's one of the problems. You may report up into a rabbit, and that could be a nightmare. But could you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on those four characteristics for management, whether they make sense, and how that fits with leaders and, and getting rid of this sort of cutthroat management style, which is maybe the bear. You know, maybe you're saying, cut the bear loose. You know, I think can you talk a, about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great description, a great analogy. When I hear the four things, my first, my first thought is, walk into a bar. You know, it's like an awesome joke start. But I think that the, the, <laughs> the key behind the four is that there's, there is room in these companies for different opinions like that. And I think that having those four is a great opinion, or, you know, is a great way to have different opinions and differentiating ideas. The problem, however, I think becomes when one of them gets so loud that it drowns out the other three. You know, you need to make sure that the, uh, the, the, that what you're doing with your company as a whole balances out a little more than, say, just having the bear talk. Because the bear might have some great ideas, and there might be a place for the bear, but you can't have that bear run the company without interaction from the other three. Mm-hmm. It's really a balancing act in that regard. You know, um, people tell me all the time, uh, uh, you know, you're such a nice guy. Um, don't you get taken advantage of a lot? And I say, well, you know, yes, I am a nice guy. But on the flip side, I have an attorney on retainer who, my God, you never, ever, ever want to meet. You <laughs> never, ever, ever want to meet that attorney. He is just like, you no. Know, if if he's coming to you because I sent him to you, you're you're in trouble. <laughs> you know. So the the concept of um, having all those four different types of advisors, as it were, those advisor roles, is a good thing. Uh, again, the goal is just to make sure that not every single one of them, not, not any single one of them, has more control than the other. Hmm. And, and is that the right formula? Maybe, maybe that's part of your contention is that, you know, from a tone perspective, these leaders on the top, you know, niceness needs to come out and be a priority and, you know, to, to motivate employees and to streamline the process. Is that correct? I think the key is that the, the employees need to um, – employees at, for the company as a whole need to understand that at the end of the day, the CEO's word does have to reign. That's why he's the CEO. He does make these tough decisions. But again, it comes down to not listening in a vacuum. And you know, there might be times when the CEO says, you know what, Rabbit, you're right. Let's do something crazy. Or turns to the, the accountant type and says, you know what, okay, yeah, I get that. You need to be – we need to back off and it goes to the owl for wisdom. You know, I love those examples and they all exist. Uh, the smart CEO is the one who understands the differentiating factors and when to use which one. Huh. Is it possible for uh, for CEOs to uh, literally uh, have some things about them that would fit into your categories of nice gal or nice gal, nice nice gal or nice guy, um, and yet at the same time retain? you know, those instincts which drive the business and that people look for being tough, being firm, perhaps being fair, but also being nice, you know, and and, and displaying that niceness in a particular way. So you can sort of, you know, get that, get that uh, asset out to people. So they feel motivated because there are things that you do that are really nice. There's no question about it. I mean, there's there's not one CEO out there who doesn't maintain his sense of being a CEO and the buck stops here with me mentality. You know, I'm, I'm saying – all I'm saying simply is that, is that they can do that, but they can also continue to be decent people. 
Uh-huh. You know, there's nothing that says you don't have to be a decent person to make that happen. And so being able to make a decent uh, – find a decent person and do uh, the right thing when it's necessary from a CEO standpoint, those are the ones who do the best. Is it the possible that the more tougher you are, the nicer you need to be? I think that the tougher you are – the more you have to have a balance to be under, to understand that you can be nice. Uh-huh. I think there is definitely you have to have that middle ground. But again, that doesn't mean that you are supposed to be nice. You're nice because it pays off. But don't ever let being nice be better than you know be 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 cast a shadow over. Hey, I'm not running my business the way I'm supposed to. Uh-huh. And I don't think anyone I've ever said in. I've never said anyone. I've never met anyone who, in my book, who is nice just because they feel like they're being too mean. There's a there's a time for meanness. I'm not, you know, a company tries to tries to steal my stuff or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to be damn mean, and so is my attorney. So, but that doesn't. There's a big difference between being mean and being a nice person overall. Right. Right. Let's take a turnaround situation. I mean, there are a lot of companies out there that are great companies that need to be turned around, and turning around might mean terminating employees that are not performing to expectations or finding those that are not philosophically aligned with the new vision of the company. Those are tough situations, right, for for leaders. They have to make hard decisions. Wouldn't you agree that it's hard to be nice in that situation when you're about to terminate a bunch of people or radically alter it? Yeah. Let me put it another way. You don't have you it's it no one's ever nice when they have to when they have to remove a hundred people and, and, and take a hundred people out of the job, but you also don't have to be a dick. Uh-huh. You can do it in such a way that you have great, uh, uh, you know, you give them a great severance package. You help them. You introduce them to other people that might be hiring. You know, you don't. I I, I worked in America Online, and I my first job at eight a.m. We all had jobs. At ten a.m. We didn't. We'd been at the company for three years, working twenty four hours a day, and all of a sudden we were all let go. And this is back in the nineties, and you know, it was we were escorted out by security. It was like we were pariahs. That kind of sucked. You know, there there was a nicer way they could have done. Uh, I've seen people who, hey guys, we have to lay some people off, so we're going to have a party in my house this weekend, we're going to invite recruiters, we're going to invite people, we're going to see what we could do, we're going to give you money, we're going to take care of you. You know, there are better ways to do things, and and that doesn't mean, look, no one's going to be nice all the time, okay, it's like a parent, I'm never going to stop loving my daughter, but yeah, when she needs discipline, she's going to get it. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm being mean. Huh. Someone once told me uh, in, in, in that was help, helping me, mentoring me earlier in my career, that you should never really have to fire anyone. Instead, you, you as a manager simply have to make them aware that they don't have what it takes to perform in the role that you're helping to clearly define. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's a great. Uh, that's certainly a great description. I'd also say that you know you have the ability to mentor and train these employees, and at some point. What it comes down to is not so much the employee not being able to do the job, but the employee not wanting to learn, to move on, to do a better job. When that happens, you know, it is time. Like I said, Zappos does the same thing. They offer people money if they don't, to not work there. They want a specific type of culture. And if you're in it, they'll pay you to go. Huh. I wonder how much they pay. Have you asked them that? <laughs> they give, I think they give a few thousand bucks to leave. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's one way to do it. What are your thoughts about the workforce moving forward, um, the attention span seemingly of some of the newer, younger uh, employees coming to the market is quite interesting to me. 
um, you know, being in meetings and having them look down at their cell phones and see what just text came in. Maybe they're in the customer service department so they could somewhat rationalize or justify that if they were plugged into customer service needs via text. But this is a, a different a different breed of, of of employees coming on board. What are your thoughts on that and, and how does this fit into to motivating those employees to, to do a great job? I'm of the belief that a social media policy in, in any company should simply be don't be stupid. You know, you don't want to you don't want to prevent someone from using social media because it does benefit you in your job in some ways. You you want to make sure that they understand. Hey, guys, this is what you know. We're working this. We do this for a living. We're 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 um, you know, this is a real job. We don't want to take you away from your life. So find the middle ground. We trust you to do things the right way. If you don't do things the right way, yeah, we're going to have a problem with it. But you know, you have to trust your employees to begin with. Otherwise, you shouldn't have hired them in the first place. Uh huh. How do you really? do that, though. Um, let's say, hypothetically, I had an employee that we suspect was watching YouTube videos and you know surfing the web a lot, and it was kind of hard to track them doing that, but let's say as, as you could walk by their desk and, and you know five times during the course of the day, and every single time you walk by there five times a day, they were watching a YouTube video. I'm mean, just saying this hypothetically. You have a chat with them. Is you that have a chat with them. Yeah. Have a chat with them, yeah. I mean, look, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to come down. It's not, you're not being a not, a not nice CEO or a not nice boss if, you're, if, you're, if your employees are goofing off. The bigger question is, is the employee goofing off because he's just a goof off or because there's some sort of bad mentality in the company? You know, is there a mentality in the company that says, yeah, our company is, has such a bad, um, a bad uh, uh, vibe that our employees need to escape to watch YouTube? Or is, it, is this guy just not paying attention? You find that you find you find out which one. I'd, I'd much rather obviously have the latter than the former. Get rid of the guy. Company's still okay. But if, they, if there's a bigger vibe in the company that says, "Yeah, we people hate it here so much they wind up doing uh, 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 YouTube videos and things," like that, then you have to ask yourself what's going on. Let's talk about the bad mentality, the bad vibe that the, you know the the, the 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 somehow something culturally is wrong with an organization. Do you find nine times out of ten it's because of management, you know, or and how do you diagnose that, not to mention fix the problem? Is there a way to professionally diagnose that um, and, 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 and then therefore fix it? I think you can uh, tell your – you can see what's going on in your, um, in your company at any given time. I think that as you look around, you know, it, it's just – I've heard some people call it listening to the wind – you know, you need to be the CEO that listens and hears what's going on, and you can't do that from an ivory tower. You have to sit there. You have to be involved. You have to get onto the floor. You have to listen to the employees. You're not going to do that from your office. Get out of your office. Walk around the, the, the factory floor. Walk around the customer service floor. You'll see what's going on, you know, and, and, and so many companies don't do this. So many CEOs don't bother to do this, and it's only after they find out that they're having severe problems you know, with their company. And by that point, it's, sometimes it's too late. They could have solved that problem six months ago, a year ago, if they just listened. Hmm. Peter, it's been great having you on the show today. How do you want people to get a hold of you, and who do you want to have get a hold of you? Well, we are launching a new company that is going to help co- companies uh, re- redefine their customer service, improve their customer service from top down. So companies that are looking to increase their customer service abilities and uh, drop money on their marketing costs because of it, 
uh, definitely feel free to reach out. Uh, you can always get anyone can get me at peter at shankman dot com. Uh, peter at shankman dot com has been my email since nineteen ninety four. Um, you can also grab me at uh, shankman dot com is my website, and of course facebook dot com slash peter shankman and twitter dot com slash peter shankman. Awesome. So you're looking perhaps for some customers that want to thoroughly advance their customer service efforts. That sounds amazing, by the way. Could you tell us a little bit about that setup and how, how you're, who you're targeting for that? And you're based out of New York, correct? Correct. Based out of New York, but you know, I spend 90% of my time on a plane. Um, we are starting a company that's focusing on redefining what customer service is. You know, the, the, right now, what we're calling it is we're calling it uh, 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 shredding the script, because right now, a lot of customer services, well, sir, I'm sorry, you had a problem with that, people reading off a script. You ever call Verizon? Verizon is entirely a scripted company. It's horrible. So we want you to get off the script. We want the employees who work the customer service uh, phones and, and emails to understand that they are the front lines and they have the power to fix a problem before it escalates. So, you know, we want to uh, empower the employees. And that has to come from the CEO top down. We want to empower the employees to say, you know what? I get it. You're having an issue. We've seen that before. Here, we're going to fix it. You know, I have, I've worked with companies, uh, there are hotels out there that give their employees the ability to spend up to $2,000 anytime they want to fix a problem because they'd rather spend a little money than have a customer walk out unhappy. And we could show stats and studies that say, you know, when they, this, 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 this employee spent 150 bucks to finish, to fix a, a, a customer's problem. And by the way, that customer went out and told 5,000 people and they got 15 reservations totaling 30 grand from that one customer interaction. So there's a lot of money to be saved in marketing, a lot of money to be saved in advertising, and it all starts with customer service. So that's, that's the company we're starting, and that's what we're going to start sharing with people. Fantastic. And is, that, is there a brand established for that yet or a website, or should they it's, just – There's no website yet, but they can go directly to me at shankman.com. The company is going to be called Shankman Honig, H-O-N-I-G. Uh, it's, it's after Peter Shankman and, of course, Rachel Honig, who is founding it with me. Uh, she is a, uh, uh, has about 25 years in the PR um, marketing and advertising world. And so it's, re- it's really going to be exciting. We're, we're really looking forward to starting it. It's going to be up in probably about a month or so. Terrific. Well, if we can help with that at all, I'm a big fan of, of advancing customer service to new levels uh, without encouraging customers to rant and rave for the sake of it to receive some financial reward or benefit. So I, I, look, I look forward to hearing more about how that's spinning and if we can be of any help and learn more about your success there. That would be awesome. Awesome. Happy to do it. Therese, terrific. Peter, thanks for being a guest on the show. Until next week, everybody, I hope your life is a little smarter, better, faster, and much wiser when it comes to uh, being nice. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.